going to get into the Word for a few moments. I will do my best to be cognizant of the fact that it is 12.05, but I can can cut a little of my lesson out this morning because Brother Marty already taught it. Uh, He got up. He said, we're going to... We're not going to start in John 11 this morning, Brother Johnson. We're going to start in 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. Uh, But he got up, he said, we're going to read from John 11. Uh, I turned to my notes just to make sure, but sure enough, I I was already reading from John 11. So he's helped us out this morning, got us set up. I I do believe that Brother Marty, as, as I was narrowing down to which lesson I was speaking from this morning, and you were doing the same, God was in Arkansas just like he was in my house this morning and he reached to both of us and directed some steps and I believe God has a word for us here meeting us where we are this morning and I'm so thankful for that we're going to jump into the word for a few moments the book of first Samuel the 30th chapter and I want to start reading with the first three verses it says and it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amicalites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughter were taken captives. I know it seems like I tried to find the most depressing piece of scripture I could this morning to start off with, but we're going to talk for a few moments about that our God writes big stories. About my God, just because I, in the situation that I'm in or in the place that I'm in, maybe it doesn't make sense, it doesn't feel right, it doesn't look right, but I can know and I can understand that my God is still holding the pen and he still has chapters to write. As we heard this morning, there is purpose sometimes in the pain and I'm So thankful to know, and we're going to explore this morning, that my God is an author. Not just a happener, but he's an author, and I'm so thankful for that. Lord, we ask that you touch this morning. We ask that you move in this place. We ask that you uh, bless and touch our hearts, anoint lips of clay, anoint our hearts so we can receive from you. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I, uh, I like to tell stories. I'm a, a bit of a storyteller. My, my wife and kids are not fans of that because it usually means that they're ready to go or maybe in the van with it running and the air turned on. And, and I may be another 30 minutes or two hours um, because once I get to talking, I, I like to talk. I, I have been blessed for the most part with the gift of gab, and I, I like to tell stories. I generally try to incorporate them into whatever's going on this morning. I was talking to the young guys and we, uh, in Valor Project, we got to talk a little bit about the time that I got to run a minivan down a drag strip because I like to tell stories. That story I don't think actually related to anything, but it was a fun story and I got to tell it. Um, and I like stories, but my God, he is a storyteller extraordinaire. We read this passage of David and his men and David's in a low point in his life. Shortly before this, he's hiding from King Saul in a cave, and he and his men have escaped, they've left Israel, they've run away, and they're hiding out in Ziglag, and they, they come back, they've been out for a few days, and they come back to the city, and as David and the men come back to the city, I can just imagine as, they, uh, as they're marching or on their horses, I'm not sure, and they come over the hill maybe and see the town and where their homes were, they see ruins and smoke rising up, and they begin to 
move faster to get to and find out just what happened. They get there and they find their, their cities burned and their wives and their children, families are gone. Now David is not just in exile and hiding and out fighting for people he doesn't necessarily want to be aligned with and uh, not just down to only 400 men, but now those 400 men aren't so sure they want to be with David. Because their alliance with David, them being with him, them being David's men, has, has put a target on them and now their families are missing and what's going on here? So David at this low point in his life and he's, he's facing maybe a, a mutinous rebellion as everybody may turn away from him. And if we were to take a snapshot of these three verses, and this was all we read, maybe if we let the news writers of today write the rest of this story, It would read something like, and all the men mutinied and they killed David and that was the end of the story. I am thankful today that my God writes big stories. This idea, this thought of the big story, I actually took from uh, Dr. David Norris's book, Big Ideas, if you haven't read it. It's a wonderful book talking of the thought that the uh, concepts that we take as small concepts are big ideas of God's. But as I read that book a few years ago, I had a thought, I was reminded of it this week, that my God, he writes stories, and if I just look at the snapshot of where I am, sometimes I can get pretty down about it, I can get pretty upset about it, and I can look at it and say, there is no way that I get from this point to anywhere better. There's no way that this situation that I am in currently, there's no way this ever works out. But thankfully, I'm not the author. Because it's my God, you see, that writes big stories. And we can read on and we can read how David and his men, they go and they retrieve their families and the battle is won well and they come on and we can continue to read and continue to follow as David becomes no longer in exile but to his place as king of Israel. It's David that has the idea of the temple and while he can't build it, it's David that collects the supplies so that Solomon, his son, can build the temple. It's David, this king that was once this man in exile with his men upset at him and his wife and kids stolen. It's this same David that we find in the lineage of Jesus. It's the same David that I can read by faith, David. It's the same David that I can read in the scripture that is a man after God's own heart, even with the mistakes he made because of how God used him and how he had a repentant heart. And all these great highlights that we look at and oftentimes we talk of King David and we think of David and Goliath and we think of David killing his ten thousands and we think of David the king and David and all the great things that he does but sometimes we look at all the highlights and we want to skip from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop without remembering that there was more to that story. That there were low points in David's life. We talked, uh, I think it was last week maybe of David at the point that he's hiding from King Saul and has no weapon and has to go back to try to get the sword that had been Goliath's. There are these points where he's hiding in the cave from Saul or he and his men, they they crest that hill and they're coming back to the city of Ziglag and they say, wait a minute, everything that we had when we left here is gone and those low points, they're every bit as much as part of David's story as the battles where he kills the ten thousands as he 
triumphantly comes into town as he's crowned king or anointed by Samuel as a boy, as he fights the lion or he fights the bear, or even as he fights Goliath, every bit as much as his stories are the low points. My God, you see, he doesn't just see a snapshot of where I am today. He thankfully doesn't just see a snapshot of, Brother Marty, who I was before I knew him. But my God, even at that point, was pinning a story that went so much further and so much broader than what I could have ever imagined, doing so much more than what I thought I could have done, because my God, he sees so much more. Sometimes I worry that I am a checkers player while my God is playing chess. We can read and see these theme throughout scripture. It's not just with David, but we go to the 16th chapter of Acts, and I'm going to start reading with verse 19. It says, And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers. They brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, whom, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Again, what a depressing bit of Scripture. I don't get too excited reading about people getting beaten and thrown in prison for preaching Jesus. That, that's not something I really ever want to look forward to. I, I pray that I never have to face that. If I do, I pray for boldness that I can face it with all the boldness that they did. But at the end of the day, it does not excite me to read that Paul and Silas preached Jesus. And when Paul and Silas preached Jesus, Paul and Silas were beaten and put in prison. I don't just... I'm not ready to jump up and run the aisles on that one. I don't just get to dancing and jumping and shouting on Christians beating and put in prison. It's not something that just fires me up, Christian. I'm not a fan. I don't like to run unless it's to the dinner table. I don't want to have to be running from somebody. And here we find Paul and Silas and they're cast into prison and they're beaten and they're put in stocks and this seems so down, but I have to remember that my God is an author of big stories. And I can go to the next verse and I can read, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. I can continue to read and know that as they begin to pray and they begin to worship in the midst of their circumstance, as they begin to praise Him through the midst of their storm, God began to move and they were freed from prison. The jailer is converted. God does this miraculous work all because they were cast in prison. Were they never cast in prison, the prison keeper could have never been converted. God saw the conversion of the prison keeper. God saw the testimony of Paul and Silas after. And due to those things, God wrote the story of them being in the prison. Sometimes some things are allowed to happen that I don't like, that I'm not a big fan of. I kind of wish that God's storyline sometimes just started here and was a straight line. If God could just start me, I want to say on a mountaintop, but really I'm more of a Learjet guy. If God could just, uh, we could just take off and get to cruising altitude and we could just fly that way all the way to heaven, that'd be wonderful. 
I can sit back in a little nice recliner in my Learjet and just enjoy life and everything be perfect. Unfortunately, that's not how life works. Unfortunately, whether I serve God or not, life's going to happen. And even after I come to know God and I come to live for Him and I come to serve Him, life still happens. And because life still happens, it's not all mountaintops. It's not all roses. There's still a thorn here and there. And, and because of that, when my story is looked at, it's not just a straight line that's over, but it starts here, and maybe it dives here, and up and down, and up and down. And life becomes this highs and lows. And I remember I was pretty upset about something. I don't, I don't remember what I was upset about now. Uh, I'd been pastoring about two years and sat down. I, there were a lot of these moments where I would go to my grandparents. I'd be at the church and then it was lunchtime. So my grandparents lived directly across the road from the church. Um, and we had an individual that was prone to stealing my lunch from the fridge at the church. Um, my wife would bring it for the week and then Monday morning I'd get there and all my food would be gone. Um, so I got out of the habit of my wife bringing lunch for me, and I found the better habit of I could just go across the street, and Granny would have lunch for me, and then I could sit on the couch and talk to my grandpa a little bit, and then after Paul and I had finished chatting, I might take a little nap on the couch, and then I could go back to the church, and, and that really was a better solution anyway. Not that I don't think my wife is a wonderful cook, but there's something about Granny's cooking, especially when it's followed by a nap on Granny's couch, but between those two, there were some of these sessions, and I remember I, I sit down and I fall into the couch, and my grandfather was a man of few words, but when he talked, he listened, uh, and says, son, what's going on with you? You seem a little down today. I began to tell him everything I had going on, and I was looking for this grand wise, you know, the, the man had been a pastor since like the beginning of time. He should know all the answers, and I'm looking for this great answer that's just going to liberate me from all my problems. And he says, well, son, don't get too high with the highs and don't get too low with the lows. And the paper goes back up. And when the newspaper goes up, that signifies the end of the conversation. Uh, because he said what he's going to say. Those are the words that were coming out and he's done. He and Zoe could have had a lot of good conversations. They're like two words this way, two words this way, and then they're just done. And the newspaper come up and Zoe's headphones go on. And you'd like that vibe, Zoe. And so then I, I'm like, okay, the conversation's done. It's time for my nap on the couch. And I'm on the couch and I'm napping and I'm trying to nap. And all I can think is don't get too high with the highs and don't get too lows with the lows. What in the world does that mean? Luckily, in those situations, the interpreter was in the kitchen still. and I could go in there and get my post-lunch snack as well as an interpretation of the words of wisdom. So I go in and I sit down and I say, Granny, I don't really quite get where Paul's going here. I've given him all this problems, and he just says, don't get too high with the highs and don't get too low with the lows. I need to know how to fix the problem. I can't just keep having the problem and just let it be. I get... She says, well, sometimes you can't fix the problem, son. Sometimes the, the highs will be there. Yes, God does miraculous works, and sometimes we go through the valleys, but in the midst of all of that, you have to realize that God's still God and He's still on the throne. You have to realize, son, that God's doing something bigger than what you can see right here, right now. Since then, my motto for a lot of things in life has been don't 
get too high with the highs and don't get too low with the lows. Don't let everything become a roller coaster of emotion because I have to realize that where I am at this instant is not necessarily significant as to where I will be at the end of time. But what I have to realize is that I've got to be where God wants me when He wants me there and understand that He's writing a story. <coughs> Excuse me. And that that story may require me to have some lows. That story may require a valley or two, but that's okay because at the end of the day, I can read the back of the book and I can know. Well, Clyde, we win. I can look towards the end and know that as long as I stay on the right side, I know how that story ends. We can continue and look at John chapter 11 as Brother Marty took us to this morning. and uh, We can understand that Zacchaeus was sick. And as Christ is told about Zacchaeus' sickness, they let him know. It says, then he tarried two days. I know Brother Marty already touched on this, but but they say, hey, God, your Christ, your your friend Zacchaeus, the one you love, that, that guy you like pretty good, that guy is sick. You were probably needed there. Jesus says, okay, we'll hang out a couple days, guys. We'll, we'll go over there later. He's not sick unto death. And then we find a couple verses later, Jesus is like, oh, yeah, he, by now he sleeps. And they're not quite getting it. He's like, what I'm trying to tell you is that he's dead. It's time for us to go check on Lazarus. He let Lazarus die so that he could be resurrected. There was a purpose, as Brother Marty so eloquently taught us this morning. There was a purpose in this pain. God was writing a story that was bigger even than Christ and Lazarus because the people had to know that Christ had the power to resurrect. There had to be some faith in the fact that he could resurrect from the dead. Because in a few short years, he himself was going to need that resurrection. Say, well, by now he stinketh. We've got to remember that it's just a short time later that they were going to take to the tomb of Christ the spices because by now he stinketh. We find the parallel between Lazarus and his time in the tomb and his resurrection to Christ sometime later. And we find that because there was a story being written. And we can take a snapshot and say, well, Lazarus died so Lazarus could be resurrected. That is all true, but Lazarus died and was resurrected because sometime later, Christ was going to die. And we can go to the 19th chapter of the book of John, verse 38, and say, after this, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body. We can read in the 19th chapter that he's taken the body of Christ, and borrowed a tomb and stuck him in it. He's been uh, treated as everything they would do unto death. And we can look at this low point of Christ in the tomb. And if we want, we can focus at this point and say, oh, no, look, Christ has died. He's been on Calvary. He's, he's put in the tomb. He's dead, and it's all over. But we would be forgetting that my God writes big stories. Oh, Friday night, Saturday night might be awful dark, but Sunday's coming, I think as Brother Carmen stated it. Somebody will get that reference. 
It was a, a dark place and a place that didn't look like maybe everything was going to work out just right. Imagine, put yourself in the place of the, of the disciples. Now, it's one thing for us to look now because we're a couple thousand years later and we can read the rest of the story. Put yourself in their place without having the next couple chapters or the book of Acts. Um, without knowing quite what was going to happen, all they know is Christ has said, hey, I'm going away. Well, yeah, he's going away because we just stuck him in a tomb. We followed him. We give our life to him. I thought that he was about to get on a horse and pick up a sword and drive the Romans out, and now he's dead. You talk about a dark place. You talk about coming to a low point. They've given years of their life, these disciples following Christ. Left their livelihoods, left their families, left what they'd known. Said, I'm going to follow Jesus. And at the seemingly conclusion at this point, it's like, okay. The skies went dark, the veil's written too, Christ has passed. Is there anything left? What hasn't fallen apart? And God turning the page and getting out a pen and beginning to write the next chapter. Last Sunday, we celebrated Easter because that pen continued to write and the story continued to happen and Christ resurrected from the death. He was triumphant. The story keeps going. We can continue throughout Scripture. We could spend all day, and I know it's all may already feel like we've been here all day, so we're, we're not going to, but we could spend as much time as we wanted looking at the fact that no matter what this moment looks like and this situation looks like, no matter what it feels like, where I'm at right now, here in my place and my point, my God isn't finished with me. This morning I've come to tell somebody that your God isn't finished with you. Sister Shea, if you could come. This morning I've come to say that maybe one of us, maybe a few of us probably, statistics say that there's a few people here that are going through something, struggling with something. And no matter where you are and what you're facing, I know some of your situations, some I don't. But my God knows, and more than that, my God, he's still the author. He's still writing your story. As long as you're here on this earth walking and talking, he's still got ink in his pen. And don't let the situation of where we are, the time and the place of what we're facing, do not let our circumstance dictate our outlook for eternity. Because the story is not yet written. It's simply a page being turned. This evening, I'd like, or this morning, I'd like us to take a few moments. I know God has, has moved mightily already. There's been hearts touched this morning. I truly believe that healings have happened, that God has moved miraculously already, and He's doing some great things this morning. But I believe even in this service, He's not done writing. I believe even in this service this morning, God's, he's still got a little ink in that pen. And whatever your situation, whatever you're facing, whatever you're fighting, whatever your battle or your struggle or your circumstance or your illness or whatever that may be, I don't know every situation. But my God, he knows where you're at this morning. My Jesus, he sees where you are this morning and he's willing to meet you there. Let's team begins to play, begins to sing. I'd like to come to these altars with whatever it is that you bring this morning.
Whatever it is you carried in here this morning, whatever burdens we may bear, whatever miracles we may need, this morning, my God wants to write another chapter in your story. This morning, my God wants to pin another page. And maybe that yesterday was a low point. Maybe this morning we got up and said, today, everything's gone wrong and nothing's working out. Nothing looks right. And look at all this going on. And God's saying, if you could just see. If you could just see what I have for you tomorrow. If you could only see where I'm taking you. Just hold on a little longer. So this morning, these altars are open. Please come. Please let God put a chapter in your story. Let him pin another page. Bring to him the the valley and let him take you to a mountaintop this morning.